Introduction of Feminism in Greek Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas. Feminism in Greek Literature by Frederick Adam Wright. Introduction. There is a question sometimes put to scholars, a doubt often latent in scholars' minds. How was it that Greek civilization, with all its high ideals and achievements, fell so easily before what seems at first sight an altogether inferior culture? The difficulty is not solved by reference to military resources or administrative skill, for moral strength is the only thing that matters in history, and a nation has never yet succeeded merely by pure intellect or by brute force. The fact is, and it is as well to state it plainly, that the Greek world perished from one main cause— a low ideal of womanhood, and a degradation of women, which found expression both in literature and in social life. The position of women and the position of slaves, for the two classes went together, were the canker spots which, left unhealed, brought about the decay, first of Athens and then of Greece. For many centuries in Ionia and Athens there was an almost open state of sex war, at Miletus, a woman never sat at table with her husband, for he was the enemy with whom bread must not be broken. At Athens, while all the men went free, women were kept as slaves, and a stranger in the harem might be killed at sight. The sexes were sharply separated, men and women had but few opportunities for mutual esteem and affection, and domestic life, the life of the home, the wife and the children, was poisoned at its source. The causes and results of this war, far worse than any faction or civil strife, are lamentable enough. Its manifestations in ancient literature are perhaps even more important, for it is hard to say how far current opinions of feminine disabilities are not unconsciously due to the long line of writers, Greek and Latin, from Simonides of Amorgos in the 7th century before Christ to Juvenal in the 2nd century of our era who used all their powers of rhetoric and literary skill to disparage and depreciate womankind. In the whole deplorable business, men were in the wrong, and they therefore took the aggressive. They applied to women the comforting doctrine of Aristotle, that some people were slaves because they were made by nature to be slaves. Women were men's moral inferiors, and therefore it was men's duty to keep them down. At Sparta, certainly, and perhaps in North Greece, women occupied a very different place. Spartan women were regarded as free human beings, and the relations between the sexes were inestimably better than at Athens. But Sparta, Thessaly, Macedonia have no direct representation in Greek literature. We get their point of view only in the writings of some Athenians, such as Plato and Xenophon, who rebelled against the current institutions of their state, and in the Alexandrian poets Apollonius and Theocritus, who even in the midst of the luxurious city kept some of the freshness of their native hills. Most of the great writers came from Ionia or from Athens. The Ionians are nearly all misogynists, and have succeeded in colouring many parts of the Homeric poems with their perverse immorality. The typical Athenian, and those foreigners who found their ideal in Athens, Herodotus, Sophocles, Thucydides, and the orators, usually treat women as a negligible quantity. Aeschylus was an original thinker, and in this, as in many ways, took a different view from most of his countrymen. But it is not until we come to Euripides that we get the woman's side of the case definitely stated. Euripides ventured to doubt man's infallibility, 
he put the doctrine of the nobility of man as he put the other doctrines of the nobility of race and the nobility of war to the touchstone of a really critical intelligence and he came to a conclusion very different from that which is expressed by the great majority of his predecessors upon his own generation euripides had a profound effect socrates aristophanes plato and xenophon are all feminists in varying degrees and a fairly full statement of feminist doctrine may be found in their works but the idealist did not win the day it is true that women were never so degraded in european civilization at least after euripides time as they had been before but his teaching did not bear its full fruit aristotle the supreme type of the practical mind threw all the weight of his unexampled influence into the other scale and the aristotelian view of the natural inferiority of women prevailed so that the poets of ionia libertines and profligates as most of them were find their work completed by the philosopher of stagirus greek is the source from which most roman writers drew their inspiration and although the position of the roman matron honoured as the mother of the household was infinitely higher than that of the too often childless athenian wife there is still an undercurrent of misogyny which permeates latin literature and finds its fullest expression in juvenal all the venom of earlier writers is collected by the satirist who adds the bitterness of his own bile seasoned with the highly coloured rhetoric which the romans loved and finally with infinite zest disgorges the mixture in the six hundred lines of the sixth satire but even as aristotle sums up the final tendencies of greek literature so juvenal represents almost the last effort of the anti-feminist school at rome the christianity of the east and the romance of the north were already beginning to modify the grosser realism of the mediterranean world and towards the end of the second century the reaction came when the greek genius gave to the world the last and perhaps the most fruitful of all its gifts in literature the romantic novel longus in the daphnis and chloe strikes a new note and his hero is perhaps the first gentleman in matters of the affections that we find in ancient literature the barbarian invasions soon came to devastate the land but longus had sown the seed and he is the true father of all the love romances of mediaeval chivalry as nausicaa is the first so chloe is almost the last of ancient heroines and greek literature by a curious turn of fate ironical enough considering its general tendency ends as it begins with the praise of the perfect maiden End of introduction.